Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about what God's doing. We just had a, a huge celebration here Sunday. I know many of you were here to celebrate our um, 22 years of, of having church here, Karis Christian Center. And um, I've I just been really touched by what God has done. And I know he still has great things in store. And um, um, just during the service, I just felt God um, just giving me this word. And uh, I'm going to preach on this word. Usually when I, I get a strong kind of word from the Lord, um, he's usually kind of showing me to minister on that word. And sometimes I don't know how I'm going to do a teaching on this because I've never heard a teaching on this. And the word was doorkeeper. And I knew, I knew what verse he was talking about in the Bible. And I looked it up and, and this word doorkeeper is only used one time in the Bible. And I never heard anyone do a teaching. You know, I'm, I love teaching. And I love, you know, lo- you know, looking at what other teachers that I love have said about certain subjects. But I've never heard a preaching or a teaching on the word doorkeeper. But I think it is a, actually a significant word. And uh, let's, let's turn there to where it's found in Scripture. And it's only used one time uh, in Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And uh, my first point for you tonight is this. One moment in God's presence can change your life forever. One moment in God's presence can change your life forever. So let's go to Psalm 84. We'll start in verse 10 and read a few verses here. It says, for a day in your courts, just a single day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And I just as I've been kind of pondering on these verses, pondering on that, that word doorkeeper, I just, I just got so excited just thinking about how, how good it is to just experience God's presence and how we are all supposed to desire that and to, and to really have a connection with God. Um, the, this past Sunday, um, we we're talking to our nine-year-old son, Fisher, and um, you know he, he, uh, he looks up to a lot of the guest speakers that we have come through here. We usually have, you know, a, a few guest speakers come here once, once a year, but he, he really looks forward to seeing them and getting ch- to chat with them a little bit. But he, he knew that Andrew Womack was going to be here. And um, uh, we actually have a picture with Fisher and Andrew Womack went, before we were married, he was just like five years old. And it was at a, Heather was a first year Karis Bible College student. And they were doing their Christmas party. And Fisher just walked right up to Andrew Womack like he, he's his best friend and says, can I have a picture with you? And, and just sits on his lap, takes a picture with him. And uh, so he always wants a picture with Andrew every year. But this year, he wanted to hear Andrew Womack preach. He wanted to, he wanted to, you know, I want to be in the big leagues this Sunday. This is the Super Bowl Sunday for our church. We have Andrew Romick here. I want to, I want to be in big church. You know, so he, he was in here first service and went to kids' church second service. But he was really expecting something. He knew there was something special going on and there's something special. You know, I, I love, you know, we have a lot of great, you know, kids ministry, youth ministry. But he, he like, he, he was expecting there'd be something special for him that day. He came expecting. Sometimes people miss out on experiencing the presence of God because they just have zero expectation. It's kind of like in the, in the realm of the spirit, they, you know, they, they, just have, they just have the personality of a doorknob. They just, <laughs> just completely dull. Nothing, you know, the lights are on, but nothing's really 
no one's home sometimes. But he, he came just with this expectation. And, um, you know, I, I just saw him. I was up here playing the flute, and I, I kind of watch, you know, while I'm worshiping. And I just saw he was just really, really going after it, raising his hands, worshiping God. I love seeing kids that worship God. I love seeing the youth that worship God. I love seeing adults that worship God, you know, that, that are just are just, just after God's presence, after, you know, connecting with him. And um, later that evening, as I was kind of getting him ready for bed, he, he had just started telling me about, about just how he just loved church. So he's almost like ready to cry. I knew he like, he, he had a really, you know, tender um, moment with God. And, and uh, the next day he, he got up early to, he's been getting up early in the morning because his papa, my dad, Pastor Lawson, told him, you need to you know, run on the elliptical because you're playing soccer now. It's a lot of running. So he gets up early to run a mile on the elliptical. It's like something my dad does every day. My dad likes to get up and he, he usually runs on the elliptical. My dad just sets it on zero, which I think there's, it's like you're just wiggling your legs in midair. <laughs> I told Fisher, you can't, you can't do, you got to put a little resistance on it. And, but uh, anyway, he's getting up in the morning and uh, Heather just heard him singing down there. I speak Jesus. And he's telling me, I love that song that we, that, the, that your band did, you know, that morning, just uh, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. Like, he, he really heard from God, and, and it was trying to process it. And, like, whenever you talk about that song and talk about Andrew's message, and it just really touched him. And Andrew, you know, did a little altar call at the end for people who've maybe believed God and didn't get it when they were expecting it and had just kind of given up. And who, who, who needs to just pray to, to kind of refire your faith up? And Fisher stood right up. And I, uh, I, I didn't know why he stood up. I didn't know what he had prayed about and what he was, because he usually gets just about everything he asks for. And, and, and on a pretty quick time frame, but Heather told me what he, you know, had prayed for and has been waiting for a little bit longer than usual. And, um, but it just really touched him that, you know, I need to keep believing God. I, I you know, the things that I ask for, I need to trust him that he has those for me and, and he's not holding out. And man, I just, I just, when God was just speaking doorkeeper to me, it doesn't really matter what position we have. Just, just it's so good to just be in God's presence. And um, I kind of love this because he says, for a day in your course is better than a thousand. And, and the, the psalmist here is, is kind of answering uh, this, this little riddle. And it's a little riddle that kids play. It's, it's, it's a game called Would You Rather? And I play it with my son Fisher sometimes as we're driving to school, driving back. Would you rather? You know, would you rather take a math test or take a you know, spelling test. Would you rather have to run a mile or swim a mile? Would you rather eat, you know, uh, a caterpillar or a grasshopper? Sometimes we, we but, but he's, he's it. Like, would you rather spend a day in his courts or a thousand elsewhere? And, and, you know, he says a day in his courts is better. Would you rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God or dwell in the tents of wickedness? That's actually really Profound. I'm going to dive into that a little bit more here in a second. But um, I was filming with my dad on, on uh, Monday for our television program, and uh, we were talking about the, the supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. We were teaching through my notes that I, I just finished that series on. We are talking about faith, the fruit of faith, and how, how you, the faith that Jesus is inside of you as a believer. You have the, the same faith that Jesus had, but you have to learn how to grow in it. And I, I was talking about... Um, Smith Wigglesworth, how someone asked him, how does great faith come? 
And he said, great faith comes first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And I was thinking about something else that Smith Wigglesworth said, and he answered one of these would you rather questions. He said, I would rather have the spirit of God on me for five minutes than to receive a million dollars. And some people might say, well, I want a million dollars, but have you actually had the spirit of God on you for five minutes? And now that my, I know my son has experienced that, I, could, I, I bet I could ask him that question. And I bet I know what he would answer. And there's something special and incredible about being in the presence of God. Just one moment being touched by his spirit can change your life forever. And we should continually just want to experience his presence. And I was just thinking about, about being a doorkeeper. And that word doorkeeper, I looked it up, it means to stand at the threshold. And there's something that I kind of got caught from Andrew's message is you just need to keep standing, keep believing, keep, keep being strong in faith. Don't sit down, keep standing. God spoke this to me, don't sit down. Keep standing. The enemy cannot win as long as you are standing. I have two younger brothers. We're pretty close in age, and I know we would wrestle and fight and do all sorts of things, but the, the way you lose is when you get knocked down to the ground and don't get up. That's, and it's, it's the same way in the realm of the Spirit. As long as you are standing, you are always going to win. You know, Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. To stand against the wiles of the devil. As long as you're standing, you are going to be unconquerable because Jesus is inside of you. Just keep standing in Jesus Christ. Amen. We were to walk in him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. And we are to stand in him, stand strong in Jesus. Amen. I, I love that um, he also brings up, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, a house is better than a tent. I was just thinking about that, meditating on that, and, um, you know, we're, we're going to Iceland. It's a pretty remote country. The, the, the entire country, the population is less than Carter Springs, and, and like 90% of the country lives in the capital, and, and um, Heather, as she's been studying out Iceland, there's, you know, it's a fairly big island, and you can go, you know, drive all around this place, and, and I, because it's an island out in the middle of the ocean, various storms can happen suddenly, and it's... Um, you're supposed to be careful when you go to more remote areas. And she was kind of looking at these remote areas, and I, I was looking at the hotels and these places in these little towns of 50 people, 100 people that, you know, people, they've just lived there since their ancestors were Vikings there, and they, they still bake bread in the ground because of the volcanic activity makes the ground warm and, and uh, just kind of weird Icelandic-type things. And I'm like, do you want to really go eat bread that's baked in the dirt and, you know, stay in this little, you know, yurt or whatever they have. And, uh, or we can stay in the cat, you know, we can stay with civilization. And um, I said, I'll leave it up to you. And uh, she chose civilization. <laughs> and a, a house is better than a tent. You know, a house is secure. A house is permanent, a house is unmoving, a house is unshakable. You know, a tent really lacks all those things. It's unprotected, it lacks security, it isn't planted, it's affected by the outside elements. You know, anything can come in. Now, you might think you have a tent that's secure and, and it's, it's a great tent. I'm not, I'm not a huge camper, I, I, like, I like living in a house. Um, I, I remember when I, I first moved here seven years ago, the, the men's ministry did a, a camping 
you know, retreat. And I didn't have a tent. I've never, you know, camped out too much. And I went with our, our youth pa- uh, worship pastor at the time. And uh, he, he said, you can share my tent. It's a great tent. It's a, you know, a waterproof tent. It's, it's, and uh, we get in this tent, and, and um, it starts raining, and it starts raining pretty hard. And, and uh, I wake up in the middle of the night. My, my sleeping bag is completely soaked. And I, I just went and got in my vehicle and kind of just laid there. I didn't really fall asleep because a house is better than a vehicle as well. You know, if, you're, if your house has wheels on it, it's okay. I, I, you know, my wife is from the South. There's a lot of redneck jokes about that with houses and things that run out from under your house. And, you know, and anyways. Um, but man, a house is so much better than a, than a tent. And, um, you know, I think there, there's a lot of people that, that thought they were, especially in, in recent years, you know, people are open to the gospel. They, they, they want... We, we are to be doorkeepers. We are, we are to show people the open door into the house of God, into his kingdom, into to Jesus Christ, who is that open door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We are to be doorkeepers. And, um, man, I think people are realizing that, that things that they thought were secure, things that they thought were planted, things that they thought were protected really aren't. Things that people put their hope, their trust, their confidence, their faith in have really been shaken whether they be political systems. I don't care if, if you're a Republican or I, I do care. But, um, <laughs> and if you know me, you, you probably know which, anyways. But, but if your faith is only in that, you're, you're going to be shaken. And, it, you know, to, to any Democrats who are here tonight, thank you for coming to church. I, I applaud you. And, and um, um, but of, of the, you know, 100 million Democrats in the United States, this is the guy that you choose to be your top representative. You know, the, uh, like, uh, how can you not be shaken? The guy can't even, you know, walk. He doesn't even know where he is half the time. Political systems have been shaken. You know, educational systems have been shaken. Financial systems have been shaken. Healthcare systems have been shaken. Pharmaceutical, you know, people who put their trust in those kind of things. There's just a lot, you've seen a lot of things really aren't as secure as you might have thought they, they were. And now is the time to make your security in Jesus Christ. He is our firm foundation. He is that ultimate doorkeeper. He alone can open the door to the Father's house. And there is something better about the Father's house. There is something better about the house of God. It is better than anywhere else. One day, one moment in his presence, one day, one moment in his house, it's better than any other house. Any other house, it's really just a tent that's going to be rolled up, burned up, shaken, and destroyed. But, but he is a sun and a shield. Our God is a sun. He gives us warmth, light, and life, and he gives us complete protection. He is our total shield. His favor surrounds us like a shield. I love it that says, the Lord gives us grace and glory. I love thinking about those two things being coupled together. Grace, the unmerited, undeserved, just unconditional love of God. And he doesn't just give us that, but he gives gives us his glory, which represents his power. We are not a powerless church. God wants to give us grace and glory. Grace, his unmerited favor coupled with his power. He wants us to experience the power that comes from his presence. 
And when you experience his presence, when you experience the anointing of God, you can say like Smith Wigglesworth did, I would rather have the spirit of God on me for five minutes than have a million dollars. I'd rather spend one day in the courts of my God. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than dwell in the tents of wickedness than then spend thousands of days, thousands of years anywhere else. It is so much better. Jesus makes everything so much better and no good thing will he withhold. God is not holding back. We serve a good God who has good things, good gifts for his children. God is not holding anything back. No good thing will he withhold. And I knew, I knew that this doorkeeper word was straight from God. I just happened to be um, just scrolling through Instagram uh, Monday morning, and I, I came across a little uh, post that, that showed a, a, a debate going on between famous atheist and famous um, Christian apologist. And it just so happened, one of my famous uh, Christian apologists was taking a, a question from an atheist. And uh, this apologist, his name is John Lennox. He's a, a mathematician, a, a professor at Oxford University, one of the smartest people in the world, and just a brilliant, brilliant, you know, um, debater uh, for the faith, debater for, for Jesus. But I know he just has just a heartfelt love for Jesus. You can't just know Jesus with your mind. You have to know him with your heart. And that's one reason why I like him especially because he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't just have a, he doesn't just know God with his intellect. He really knows God. He knows Jesus with his heart. And that's how we ultimately come to know him. But, but this um, atheist um, just brought up this question. And um, um, he just said, um, you know, how, how could a good God, you know, not want humanity to be like him? How, how come in the Garden of Eden he told them they could not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Clearly, Professor Lennox, you've eaten from that tree. You're very intelligent. You're very smart. You have a lot of knowledge. If God were so great, why would he withhold from humanity? Why would he withhold from Adam and Eve? And as, as he was asking this question, John Lennox just got this huge smile on his face. And he's like, this guy just walked right into it. And he, he, he got a huge, and he said, you know, that, that's actually a really great question. I'm really glad you brought it up because the first time that question was posed, you know, proposed, it came from a snake. And he says, this is, that, that, that is the original lie that came from the snake, that came from the devil. God is not holding back. He doesn't... God, he, he wants to give you everything. He loves you so much that he gave, and he just went on from just preached a 10-minute message on, on the goodness of God and how he gave us Jesus and how he wants us to be with him in his presence. And, and man, it, it was just, he was just going into pure evangelist mode, and I just loved it. God is not holding back. He loves us so much that he was willing to give us his very best. He was willing to do anything just to be with us. There's no price he wouldn't Hey, any, any type of lack mentality, any type of God's holding out mentality, that comes straight from the devil. That comes straight from that snake. It's a lie. It's from the father of lies. God is not holding back. And I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? To these questions, to these thoughts, to these lies from the world, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, do you know that God is for you? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all thanks? 
If God gave me Jesus, why would he not want me to be healed? Why would he not want me to have peace? Why would he not want me to have enough money to pay my bills? Why would he not want to give me enough boldness to proclaim the gospel to other people? God is not holding back. If you believe he loved you enough to give you Jesus, why, why, would, why would you think that, that he's holding back on anything else? So one moment in God's presence can change you forever. My next point is this, that we need to keep standing, keep knocking, and keep shining. Keep standing, keep knocking, and keep shining. Let's go to Matthew 7. And we'll start in verse 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. Go ahead and turn there with me if you'd like. And I, I love this. Jesus here, this is in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, and um, he's just trying to point people to the goodness of the Father. And he says, ask, just ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That word doorkeeper means to stand at the threshold. Be a doorkeeper. Stand at the, when you're standing at the threshold, that there's an open door. You can ask, you can seek, you can knock, and it's going to be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. God is not holding back. He's saying, or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? There, there are a lot of believers today... I, a lot of you know, people who profess to be Christians who, who need to, to understand this. God does not give bad things to people. He, if, 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 if it comes to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy you, it's from the enemy. It's not from God. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. He's saying even... even Earthly, earthly fathers know to, to, to give real bread. You're not just going to give your children stones for dinner. You're not going to give them serpents for dinner. You're not going to do things that hurt them. And, and, and you think, Jesus, why do you have to explain it? Well, he still needs to be explaining it today. People still need to get it through their head. God does not give bad things to people. We are his sons. We're his daughters. He only has good things in store for us. Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things, good things to those who ask him? Some people have just stopped asking. They've just stopped seeking. They've just stopped expecting. If you don't expect, if you don't ask, if you don't seek, if you're just, well, there's just bad things and I'm just, I'm just done, I'm just going to be a doorknob and be still and know that I'm a doorknob and man, raise your expect, expectation a little bit. Who, who is God to you? Is he a good God? Is he for you? Did he not give Jesus for you? So we need, we, it's okay to ask. It's okay to seek. It's okay to knock. And man, when, when you have that attitude, um, it, it's, people can tell. People can tell when there's something different about you, when, when you really believe. 
when you're really seeking, you're really asking, you're really, you're really standing, people can tell there's something different about you. And they'll start asking questions to you. They'll go to you. They'll, they won't go to the, the doorknob believer type people. When people have questions, when they start asking, when they start seeking, when they start knocking, they're going to go to the real doorkeepers, the real people who are standing at the real threshold. They're going to go to the doorkeepers, not to the doorknobs. And a, a large percentage of the body of Christ is just kind of doorknob type Christianity, not, not doorkeeping. And, and, and we are here to, to represent the kingdom of heaven here on earth. If you have the spirit of Christ, the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead, if you don't have his spirit, you are none of his. So if you have his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in you, you are an ambassador for the, for the kingdom of heaven. You are to show people that open door. You are, you're to say, this is an open door. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is call upon the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. You shall come into the house of God. And it is so much better than anything you could even possibly think or imagine. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We'll read a few verses here. And, um, and th these are super powerful verses to think about. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who, who here is a new creation in Christ? Your ministry is this. It's a ministry of reconciliation. It's not a ministry of calling out false prophets. It's not a ministry of, of pointing out all the problems that are going on at Karis Christian Center. It's, not, it, it's a ministry of reconciliation. That is what we are all anointed as believers, as, as in Christ, new creation. Believe, we are all anointed with this, this ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God, God loves you. God seeks you. God desires you. He wants, he wants you. He wants you so much that he would do anything to be with you. That's why he sent his only begotten son into the world, to save us. We have this ministry of reconciliation and commit to us this word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, I am an ambassador for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Man, one way to, be, to, to, to learn how to minister to other people is just to sense God's heart for other people. Sometimes when I, I even as a pastor, sometimes I, I've, it's, I, I have to check myself on a daily basis to make sure my heart is pure and just renew my heart towards God and towards people on a daily basis. Uh, just, just, this is a good word for many people. Avoid bitterness at all cost. In Hebrews it said that the, the root of bitterness by which many have been defiled I've seen it in the seven years I've pastored. A lot of people get defiled by a root of bitterness. And, and, and you need to, to check yourself on a daily basis and just keep coming back to the love of God, his love for you, and, and understand his love for other people as well. And um, that, that will help you um, 
just have a sense of, of him pleading for other people, his love for other people, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When God the Father looks at you, he looks at you just like he looks at Jesus. When you come before the Father, when you come before for the throne room, you can, you can enter his house, enter his courts, just like Jesus entered. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross and, and, and took captivity captive, robbed the grave, went to the Father, I, I, I guarantee he went boldly into the throne room. And he, he knew, he knew that the songs that were being sung were about him. He didn't come in full of shame, full of guilt, full of condemnation. Likewise, when we come to, to the, the, the throne, when we come to, to the Father, we can come with boldness. We can know, we can know that God loves us, that, that he's covered us, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and I love that, that, that 21st verse. Man, talk, talk about... Uh, an incredible exchange. That, that word ministry of reconciliation, the word reconciliation in the Greek, it's, a, it's an accounting term. I mentioned it a few times, but it's really powerful. It's the Greek word katalage, and it, it means it's, it's talking about changing money. So when, when Paul was moving around the Roman Empire preaching and ministering, he would probably have to change currencies from time to time. You know, in Jerusalem, you can use your shekels, but here I'm going to have to use denarii, and here I'm going to have to use this. He would probably be, be changing currencies. And um, I haven't traveled a whole lot, but I remember the first time Heather and I um, traveled internationally, we got married, we went to Italy, and, and I, I had like $1,000, uh, you know, U.S. dollars cash, and I thought I'm just going to change it here at the airport. And I wasn't thinking, and later on, like the next day, I realized I, I got ripped off big time with that exchange. I got probably ripped off like two or $300. I got a terrible exchange rate. And with God, he's going to give you the best exchange rate ever. Man, your sin, it goes to Jesus, and the righteousness of Jesus goes to you. Man, that, that, that is a powerful thing to think about, that, that word reconciliation, that, that type of exchange. God is not in the ripoff business. You can't outgive God. Man, he's always going to exceed your expectations, exceed, exceed what you think would be a good exchange rate. Oh, God, you mean you want me to take up my cross? You mean you want me to forgive? You mean you, you want me to be bold and step out and pray for this person? Like, just do it. If he asks you to do something, he has something way more than you can comprehend that he's going to do as you lay down whatever you're, you're holding on to. We are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors have authority. They have authority. You know, Fisher, Fisher was kind of like wondering like what, what he experienced at church on Sunday. I said, Fisher, you know, a Andrew talked about, like he, he'd read his Bibles nine hours a day sometimes. Like he spends a lot of time with God. You know, he might not be able to remember everything he said, but, but you can sense the anointing in, so, in someone's life. And you can sense when they, 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 they really know God and speak with authority. As ambassadors, you have authority. You can broker deals. You can sign treaties. You can actually speak on behalf of your home country. And God just showed me this too. Uh, and this is a really cool thing to think about. As an ambassador, you are in charge of an embassy. 
So even though you are surrounded by a foreign nation, your embassy belongs to your home nation. Where an embassy stands, legal-wise, that, that, that embassy, is, it's, it's, a, it's a sovereign state. That soil on that embassy belongs to that nation. It does not belong to the nation around it. So as an ambassador, you have an embassy where your feet touch, you can take ownership of. Even though you might be in a place, in a foreign place, this world is a very foreign place. You know that you have authority, you, have, you can speak on behalf of your home country, you can, you can when your hands do something, your hand, you, you know, when two or, you can bind things on earth and they'll be bound in heaven. You can loose things on earth, they'll be loosed in heaven. Where your feet trod, heaven goes. What your hands touch that Jesus can touch. These signs will follow them that believe. I'm making you ambassadors. You have... You're in charge of an embassy. You have a place where you are protected. That soil that you live on, it belongs to you. It does not belong to the world around you. My house, it is separate from the world. I told Heather this when we got married and we you know, made a home together. This, this, is, this is my sanctuary. The, the world, the world, it's, it's out there, but this, this is a holy place. To me, it's an extremely holy place where, where, where my marriage is, where my kids are, where, where... And as, as an ambassador, you, you, have, you have ownership. Even though you, you're in, in, in a world that is in opposition, sometimes, many times, to, to the kingdom of heaven, you have ownership. That soil that, that your embassy is on, where you declare, this, this, is, this is my territory. You can have a sense of ownership. You can actually control the door. You can be the doorkeeper of that embassy. You can open it to people who are seeking sanctuary. Uh, I, I just, I kind of like, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I like to study things out and study out, you know, how you know, embassies work and how you know, and there are actually people who are seeking asylum, like um, the guy who started WikiLeaks. I don't know too much about all of that, but he, a, a lot of people were after him because he just revealed all these secrets from militaries and governments and just everything, just put it all out there. And he was in England at the time, and, you know, the, the British government was after him, and the Americans were after him. And he, he, um, he, he actually got asylum at the embassy for Ecuador. He lived there on Ecuadorian soil, soil in London for seven years. He's in prison now. I think the, the, the British government eventually convinced the, you know, probably in some type of deal to, to get him off of Ecuadorian soil. But they, you know, the, even though that embassy is surrounded by the British Empire, that, that one acre plot belongs to Ecuador. And they couldn't, they couldn't charge him because he was on Ecuadorian soil. So we, we, can, we can actually open the door to the house of God, to the kingdom of God, where, so people can seek asylum, they can seek refuge, they can seek safety, and they can ultimately seek salvation in Jesus Christ. And I, I um, you know, just nerded out even more about embassies, and I was trying to, trying to just think, and God just showed me something really cool that happened during the Trump administration. Some of you might not like Trump. I know there might be a few Democrats here tonight. 
But, but one thing that, that I think is super, super, super awesome that Trump did, among many things, the one thing that I think is super, super awesome, and actually several presidents before him promised to do this. Um, Bill Clinton promised to do this. George W. Bush promised to do this. Obama promised to do this, but they all failed to do so. But Trump was the first president in this series of presidents that had some cojones. <laughs> and decided to, to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which is the true capital of Israel. Yeah. And these other presidents did not do so because they, they caved to a major fear of man. Especially, to, they, they caved to the fear of the Muslim man. But Trump did, did I, I'm not going to cave to them. You know, we believe, we, we're going to support Israel. Israel says Jerusalem is their capital. So, and if they want us to have, you know, an embassy in the capital city, which is what you, what you usually do, we will put our embassy there. So, the, uh, uh, there is American soil in Jerusalem. There is something incredibly important, incredibly prophetic about that. There are only five countries that have embassies in Jerusalem. There's, there's, 91, other, there's 91 other countries that have embassies in Tel Aviv, but only five. And they're kind of... But, man, there's something really amazing that, that there is American soil in Jerusalem. I don't know if any prophets have talked about that, or, but, but there's something very significant about American soil being in Jerusalem. And I believe that God, God has a huge heart for America. And, and when you side with, with Israel, when you side with Jerusalem, and when you have soil in Jerusalem... When your nation has soil in Jerusalem, there's something very profound about that. And I know that God loves this country. I know that God loves the United States of America. And he is not done with us yet. I know he has great plans for us. There is great revival happening, will continue to happen. And the churches of America will be a great open door church. The church of America will not become a Laodicean church. The church here in America, God wants it to be a Philadelphian church, a great missionary church, an open door church. And that leads me to my last point tonight, which is this. I would rather be considered too hot than be considered lukewarm. Man, if you're going to follow Jesus, you, if you're going to believe on Jesus, if you're going to believe the Bible, you might, just, you might as well just go all in. You might as well receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. You might as well step out in faith and start believing that when you pray for people, the sick will recover. You might as well believe that you have power over demons. You have authority over demons. You might as well like, live like you don't have to be scared and live in a cave, but you, you, you have ownership while you're here on this earth. I'd rather be a little too hot a little too fanatical, a little too charismatic, a little too passionate for Jesus. Because I know how Jesus speaks to these two churches, the open door church and to the lukewarm church. Amen. And we are in the last days. You don't really have, you can just walk out your door and know the times and the seasons. And Jesus had, had, had words for, for, for two churches in Revelation that represent the last day church. 
He had a word for the open door church, the faithful church, the great missionary church that preaches and sends out the gospel. Man, America has funded the gospel more so than any other country. And I'm just very tickled and and excited that we have American soil in Jerusalem. The open door church knows that there is only one door to the Father. There is only one who can open it. Muhammad cannot open it. I'm not afraid I'm not afraid of the Muslim man. Buddha cannot open that door. I'm not afraid of the Buddhist man. The world's greatest philosophers cannot open that door. I'm not afraid of the greatest philosophers, the greatest professors, the greatest scientists. They cannot open that door. Fauci cannot open that door. The Mr. I am science cannot open the door to the house of God. If your faith was in I am science, you realize that tent is missing a lot of pegs. You cannot open that door through your own goodness. Only Jesus can open that door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To the lukewarm church, Jesus said this. Turn to Revelation 3. I'll just read a few verses here. For a while, I thought it'd be really cool to, to like have these huge ads throughout the city. Maybe we'll do it someday. Maybe it was a picture for, but I just want to have a picture of like the emoji vomit face, the green, you know, puke face, and just say, Karis Christian Center, we are not a lukewarm church. <laughs> and for those that have ears to hear, they can understand the message there. There's, there's, there's a lot of lukewarm out there. We are not that. Maybe we've been, been accused of being a little too hot at times, a little too joyful, a little too charismatic, a little too passionate, a little too, I'd much rather be on that side of things than on what Jesus has to say to the lukewarm side of things. Revelation 3, verse 15, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. Do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I'm not going to go in that direction. This church is not going to go in that direction. Karis Christian Center is not a lukewarm church. To the faithful church, Jesus said this in Revelation 3, verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy. I love that we sing just, just holy is the Lord tonight. Holy, and, and art you know, kind of went off and was quoting Revelation tonight and just on the, just this picture of, of just this hard-to-explain worship going on in heaven, just about the holiness to the Lord. And um, it's powerful. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. What is the city of David? Jerusalem. I think it's so cool that we have American soil in Jerusalem He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Skip ahead to verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. 
Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. You're going to be standing in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in conclusion, keep standing for Jesus. He has set before us an open door. Now is the time to experience the presence of God. Now is also the time to be an ambassador for him, to be a doorkeeper, to show people that open door, to be a witness for him and share the good news that there is no, no place that is better than the Father's place. There is no place better than the house of God and there is a place for them in the Father's house. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.